Scarves and Spikes. Has not disappointed. Hey. Something happened well. there. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to Scars and Spikes, episode 38. It's almost older than me now. How's it going? It's going well. How are you guys doing? I'm doing okay. Doing a, cautiously optimistic has been my, my theme of this week after spending all night being up on Sunday, struggling through work on Monday, mm-hmm. you know, just... Really haven't caught up on sleep yet, but wow, we're having fun. <laughs> feel like I haven't we got... caught up on sleep. Well, actually, I have, but no, I'm just kidding. I have caught up on sleep. I don't know why you said that, but yeah, I feel good. Dan, leave this on the well. background. Sorry, he's trying to go watch Messi, whoever that is. Don't Ooh. go watch Messi. Watch us. Watch us. Damn. Yeah, watch us. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> no, I'm good. Um if you're listening on the podcast, of course, we're uh, doing the we're live as US Open Cup is going on. So just as an FYI to our friends, listen to us on the podcast after or the day before, day after. So just FYI. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm cautiously optimistic as well. Um, got a big match on Saturday against Nashville SC. Leagues Cup runner-ups or runners-up, so bring it is on. this our main rival? Yes. Um, yes. I'm calling it out. We should it's, put a poll. Well, Tyler, you don't make the decision for the people. I mean, so we're gonna I have to. Like I'm pretty in tune we're with gonna, the people, though. I think there's still people well, that hate Orlando. Like I know we say it was, you know, created, but I think there's still the hatred was there for so long. Orlando, though. I don't know. Except for like the five people that show up at their stadium and then yell obscene chants. For well, see, this is the reason why. See, obviously, you're showing some type of hate right here. Oh, I, I hate them, but that doesn't mean they're our main rival. <laughs> you dislike them intensely. Yeah. Strong. Hate is dislike. such a hate is such a strong word. Yeah. Yes. No, no. Dislike. In sports, it's okay. No, no. You know what? In sports, <laughs> in sports, you could say that that you hate a team. Like that is that is more than okay. Now, if you go and you start getting in fights at games with players or with fans, if you went if you got in a fight with the player, that'd be even you'd be in jail. But oh, that'd be crazy. getting in oh, fights, sure. even if you, even with fans. But yeah, th- this this seems like a big one for a lot of reasons, right? You know, it's we got nine games left. They have uh, we're we're tied in points. I know they've got a game in hand still that they've got to play, but mm-hmm. it, it just feels like this is a big game. And especially if you look at it from the Atlanta side, we are riding high from the, from this past weekend. You've got new players. You've got more players still coming in. It still feels like this is going to be like a brand new team when you've got a starter coming in with Saba just, you know, officially being uh, coming to Atlanta. And they did the introduction video a little bit earlier today. I'm pumped. Me too. So Me too. Yeah. 
Lots. Tyler, are you lots pumped? To be excited. I'm I'm pumped, man. I'm I'm also really pumped <laughs> about this media game on Friday. That's what's on my mind right now. It's not this Nashville game. The Nashville game's after. Look, there's a lot going on. All right, I don't want to embarrass myself on live TV. Yourself? Are you turf or grass? I don't know. I think grass. <laughs> okay. If it's the same field that they did last year, which I wasn't at, but it would be grass. Yeah, I'm not worried about you embarrassing yourself. I'm worried about you embarrassing us, Tyler, and yeah, the name true. of Scarps and Spikes. I appreciate so. that, but at least I'm playing, Sydney. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I have a reason I'm not playing. Well, Tyler. I know. <laughs> I'm gonna do my best. I just, I'll be there. I will be there. I'm gonna I'll represent. Okay. We should do a live watch yes. along on here, Sydney and I. <laughs> like, I heard there's a messy cam for this game tonight. Like, they specifically have a, a camera. Like, yeah. it's just gonna be on messy. We should have that. But with you, hey, that's an idea. I mean, I'll be there. Tyler cam. Um, hey, man, I'm down. Just <laughs> record me the whole time. I'm either gonna get destroyed by. A men's national team guy or a Mexican national team guy or embarrassed in general. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, boy. Live. Well, we've gotten off to a, a, a fun start here. Uh, yes. Just to remind everybody, uh, we have merch now. Yes, we do. We've got stickers. Tyler, do you have the stickers handy? I have. Uh, yes, I do, actually. But yeah, we, go check it out at our store. I don't know exactly what the, the web address is here, but it's Etsy.com. So- yeah, our web, web address is scarfsandspikes.com, and there's a link to the store on scarfsandspikes.com. But, yeah, the Etsy store is scarfsandspikes.etsy.com. So, yeah, go to the website. You'll get there. Um, and, yeah, get yourself some stickers and more merchandise is coming up at you know, in, in the wild. Our guy Tim, who is a loyal watcher and listener to the program, has already bought his. He just got his um, on Wednesday, a few hours before we went on the air with the podcast. So, shout out to Tim. And please, Tim, tweet us out pictures of your stickers attached. And what you put them on. That's always and what the most you put interesting them on. part. Yeah. What you put the sticker on. Like, that's dedication. Did you put it on your car? That's real dedication. There you go. I don't know if they're really made for the car, though, are they? Every I, mean, I mean, you can make them make for the car if you want, but... Probably not. <laughs> well, on top of that, we also have our Patreon, uh, which we did our watch-along, our monthly watch-along on Sunday, which was a ton of fun. We all stayed up together, did a couple shots, enjoyed the game, talked about it, and it was just so nice can't just keep going back to like i had fun this, like we hadn't we didn't have any fun because there was no game for almost an entire month and then we get this game and we're like oh i think i think secretly a lot of people were dreading it because they didn't know exactly what we were going to run into here are we going to run the same old land united no this team was fun so we do a monthly watch along we haven't really figured out what the game is going to be for the month of september yet yeah we'll get that figured out here soon but we've got quite a few home games coming up i think we've got the next I think three out of five are at home. I think something like, like that. that. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be around, obviously. Um, we've been doing um, pre-match shows, live pre-match shows for the last couple of matches. So we may do that on Saturday on our YouTube channel. Um, and f- 
especially for our away matches. We may do some for our away matches as well. So, yeah, be on the lookout on our website. Yeah, not on our website. I meant our Twitter feed and all of that. We'll give you a heads up of when we're doing it. But, yeah, we've really had a lot of fun doing those as well. So, yeah, be on the lookout. We'll, we're taking over, guys. We're taking over. We're doing our best. Anyway. Brian, our best. happy well, marriage. I guess. I don't know what to say here. Congratulations. I guess is the best thing to say. Congrats. Um, you're down in South America right now. Sounds like you're having a great time. Um, said he'll get some when he gets back to the States. So congrats, Brian, on the marriage. The dude's taken like a month in, in just like every country in South America, it seems like. So going to see some Copa Libertadores, I think, tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Very nice. So, Very nice. Fun hearing from from everybody, you know, wherever you may be, whether it's here on vacation somewhere else it's just it's neat so we appreciate it do you know yes. what the most fun thing to talk about My, every year i don't care what it is every year it's, it's usually at the beginning of the year but we had it this week what do people think of the kits and the 404 jerseys that was officially what it was called yeah yes the 404, 404 kit yes so we got to see the official picture of it because before we kind of just saw it is uh you know, just a couple, you know, small pictures of, you know, some local rappers wearing it. We didn't really get to see it because I didn't see the ATL. Someone told me that they saw the ATL at the top of it, and I didn't notice that in the first picture at all. But you got the look of it. Boy, oh, boy. We had a lot of interactions. Probably the, our, most in- our, two, our two most interactive tweets have been about this kit. The yeah, reaction sure. has been The reaction has been very polarizing, to say the least. Yes, some people who say... They like it. They're fans of it. Uh, we have other people who are like, no, nah, it's not for me. Like um, Mike Bell from Night to Night the Game tweeted us and said, you know, I have all the kits already, but this one does it for me, which I understand. And I've kind of had that same boat with Mike. But then you have other people who are like, absolutely not. You couldn't pay me enough to wear these jerseys or these kits. So the reaction really runs the gamut. I guess it, it's a matter of, you know, your taste i feel like and whether this is more up your alley it's not really up my alley um, i know it's targeted toward i mean it's has very minority influence to it uh the graffiti and things like that is geared toward a more urban audience so i can see where that might appeal to or that might not appeal to some people but at the same time i mean it, it looks okay i mean i don't i don't hate it like I said, I wouldn't wear it, but I don't I don't hate it, to be honest with you. It's growing on me. It's still not I'm not gonna go pay for it right now for two hundred dollars. But it's I like what they were trying to do. And I'm gonna echo kind of what we said last time. It's the idea is fun, everything about it's fun. It just I don't think it quite got executed the way that maybe it should have but i'm curious to see what it looks like on the pitch yeah caleb wiley ronald hernandez modeled it pretty well i think uh and then i like the hoodie yeah are they gonna release the hoodie the the hoodie looks great atlanta influences everything sure they will i mean usually they would release it all together i don't know but it looked nice yeah the chop troll modeled it too yeah a couple other players on there um Muyumba modeled it. Yeah, Jay Fortune. Jay Fortune. 
fortuned, fortune. Sorry, <laughs> uh, fortuned. Um, but yeah, they have the players were them, and yeah, I mean, again, not for me, but they're not terrible. I think I think it looks be better. Again, like like a lot of things, it looks better when somebody's wearing it. Um, it looks better in in the wild, as you could say. When it's just in front of you as a pitcher, I'm just like, you know, it's it just it looks flat. It looks like just kind of matte, and it's not like I just again not executed the way I think. But then when you see it on people, you know, I think when you look at it flat, you see the ATL at the top, then the UTD, and then you see the other ATL, and it just kind of looks a little odd. But because of the way that you're wearing it, once you put it on, the the bottom ATL just kind of adds more color than it does lettering. And so to me, that kind of helps it out a little bit. But, you know, again, it's it's grown on me, but it's still not to the point where I'm going to go, you know, dunk on it. That, that being said, Atlanta United has marketed this thing so hard. Like yesterday, especially every time I pulled up Twitter, it was another news outlet from either the U.S. or Europe or South America yeah. that was putting out something about this kit. And I'm like, holy crap, I mean, y'all are really, really pushing this hardcore. So, yeah. Been a work in progress for a long time. Yeah. Tommy, what you got? Back to my childhood. Like, I, you know, here we have Cedar Point. But when I, as a kid, I remember going to Cedar Point, especially even more back then. Like, there was the airbrush, like, T-shirts that you had. Oh, yeah. It just reminded <laughs> me a lot of it. And then my, I, I told my daughter about it. She's like, oh, yeah, you see that at the fair all the time. That's what it took me to immediately was, oh, the old airbrush uh, T-shirts. Mm-hmm. It's just okay. I like it, yeah. it just it, I liked the Unity jersey a little bit better. I like that I like that one a lot, but I also like the orange big orange fan, so I I liked the lettering and all that for that, but yeah. It it's okay. It's divisive. Right. And I'll say this because you know there's been some like hate hate on it and I don't you know, whatever. If you don't like it, you don't like it. If you like it, you like it. Cool. I mean, that's that's the, that's the point of a, especially a third kit. Like, it's gonna be hit or miss. Some people it's gonna hit. Some people it's gonna miss. It is what it is. But I'll say this to the the actual folks who designed it, and I don't know who actually did it. Um, I learned this a long time ago playing video games. And if anybody ever said you can't learn anything playing video games, they're lying to you. Play Sim City. You'll learn that you can't make everybody happy. Period. Really? Ever. Ever. You can't make everybody happy. Ah. That's from SimCity. Interesting. So you're welcome. <laughs> I don't know. Go this on. current uh, home kit, I think overall, was a pretty big win for the club. I think people were very happy to go back to something that was close yeah. to to the original you know, years. But everything else has just kind of gotten that, you know, it's okay. Which now makes us, now that we're past this, now the question is, what is our away kit next year and what that is going to look like? And does yes. the Olympic jersey still got a chance? Yeah. More... I, think, I think it'll be later on. I think that'll be 2026, personally. Hey, guys, before we continue, I just want to remind you that we have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash scarves and spikes. We have three tiers, $1.17 a month. $5 a month and $10 a month. That allows you to support us financially. If you're led to, like we always say, the podcast will remain free. The live stream on YouTube will remain free. But this is just another way for you to support us financially. And 
unlock special benefits that others don't get access to, like our Discord server for our Lady United fans, virtual watch parties over Zoom, interviews with special guests, merchandise discounts, and so much more. Again, patreon.com slash scars and spikes if you want to get involved. By the way, if you are already supporting us on Patreon, thank you so much. We really do appreciate it a lot. And now on to the remainder of this week's episode. Well, let's talk one more la- thing about last week's match. We had quite a few players end up getting on MLS Team of the Week, right? So the first one we should talk about, Gonzalo Pineda, Coach of the Week. Yes. I That's what happens when you beat Pineda. Seattle. When I downplay Pineda and what he did, he gets played Coach of the Week. Yeah, that was really funny, actually. And I- and our, and if you didn't listen to the 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 player ratings, we we rated Gonzalo Pineda, and I think both of you gave him a pretty high score. And I just I think I gave a seven, just saying that it was a little bit more on the players and what exactly Pineda did. I don't know how they decide what the coach and and how they g- give that away, but I think it was just a big win for him, um, yeah. for going you know back to his old club and getting a win over him. But congratulations to Pineda for sure. I don't know how often he's been on this. I'm sure he probably got on early on when he probably won his first game. The with last the club. time, the last time he was on it was September of 2021. So was that his first? Was that the win against? Hold on. Do you know which game it was? I think it was the Cincinnati win where um, mm. Arugia scored his first goal. That that crazy banger where he like beat five people. I think it was okay. that one, if I'm not mistaken. I was just thinking. I was thinking maybe it'd be that Orlando game. That was like the most dominant game I think it, after he that came in. May have, it was one of those because it was right after he got here. And remember, they went on like a pretty good streak. Right. Yeah. That, I think that was his most dominated win like of that mm-hmm. year. But no, that's that's awesome for Pineda. Whoever uh, selects uh, the team of or the coach of the week heard what Tommy said about <laughs> Pineda on a ratings show and decided to put Pineda on the team of the week. Justice Biden, but um, yeah, it's um, it's good. It's a good win. It's a good win, and yeah, I mean, I feel like I agree with you, Tommy. Like you were saying the other day about maybe it's more of the players, and you now there's this bit about manager doesn't really have as much of an impact as you think on a team. It's more of player selection and player performance, which yes, it is, but I feel like the manager or the head coach plays a part in that and bringing together the talent and making sure that talent can gel. Um, I have to think of the um, Chicago Bulls example. You know, if anybody else outside of Phil Jackson is coaching that team, do they still win championships even with Jordan Pippen, you know, Rodman, all those other guys? So I guess in a roundabout way, I'm saying that, you know, it's well done by Pineda and getting the – team ready and getting them on the same page for this match so yeah another yeah, it, again a good win for sure and then Tristan Mamba ended up being on the bench the bench of the week right so good on him and what a what a transfer so far you know you don't want to overreact from two games but the midfield has just been transformed it looks so different it, if it's just fluent on the attack even defensively, like he's very aggressive trying to get that ball back. And he was so aggressive at a couple points that it could have, you know, really sprung, you know, some odd man rushes. And it did a few times, but even more, you know, because he just was trying. He was just constantly moving. I mean, he's what you've been looking at for in the midfield. 
I don't want to say since Nagby left, but since Nagby left? I mean, that you're right. I, I don't think that's a stretch at all. I think Nagby, first of all, people have to understand how lucky we were to have Nagby. And I know everybody's always going to talk about, you know, Miggy and Joseph, obviously. Um, Gressel gets brought up a lot. But the unsung hero of that championship team was absolutely Darlington Nagby. And and if you look mm-hmm. at soccer in general, if you don't have a midfield, your wingers better be dang good. Because if they're not, you're not going to be able to do anything. And you've seen it so much this year with Atlanta not being able to play through the middle. They have to play it out wide. It's predictable. Now you've got a guy back in there who is dynamic. He can hold the ball. He can move the ball. He can break lines by passing and just by moving himself, his speed. And we haven't had that since Darlington Nagby. So, you know, you don't necessarily expect him to go and score a ton of goals. Darlington Nagby scored a couple when Atlanta. He did not score many goals, but he was crucial in what they did as a team. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, it's one piece. It's, it's 11 guys on the pitch. But that one guy in the midfield can can make or break a game, can make or break a team in a season. And Muyumba, you know, again, it's a it's 176 minutes, I think he's played or whatever. But he played 176 really good minutes. So I don't think that's a stretch at all. They have not had a midfielder like that since Darlington Nagby. Now I'll say this quickly, and because we got you know we got to get to Yakumakis um, before our guest comes on. Um, I'll say this quickly. It's only two matches, so I guess in that respect, I'm taking the uh, contrarian viewpoint. But no, he's been excellent through those two matches. And now the question is, can he maintain it? Is it just, I mean, it's a small sample size, but is this going to be the exception or the rule with Tristan Muyumba? If this he maintains this level of play, absolutely. I mean, it's you know kind of, the Nagby replacement, so to speak. And we kind of joke about who the Nagby, Nagby replacement is. Um, but, I mean, Muyumba has a chance to be it. Again, you know, two matches through. We'll have to, um, you know, see how he does against Nashville and then the remaining eight matches after that of the regular season. But I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Yeah, overreaction to this, this is I, it's been two matches, but what he's done so far, I could see it continuing for sure. So I, I'm excited uh, to see what, what's going to end up happening here with him. And then you've got more players coming in, too. And how does this all flow together quickly? Because you do have to do this quickly. Um, but we'll, we'll get there because we got one more player to talk about. The Greek god himself, Yakamakis. Opa. Two goals. Player of the, yeah, player of the match day, two goals. Yeah, Tommy. It's great. So. It's just great to see. Uh, he looked healthy. I will say the one thing I do not like about him is there's he overreacts to everything. <laughs> if there's a foul, he gets he falls to his knees and it's like a movie where he's just like, it should just start raining on him. So he's screaming at the sky where there's thunder coming down and he's just screaming because someone got a foul and he goes down. You know, you think he's done for the season, man, Mm. 
Like, I like he's a guy, and, and he has an injury history, though, Tyler. So, yeah, when I see him go down, seventy-five percent of me saying, "Oh my gosh, he's hurt again. What are we gonna do?" Right. That's my was, that's my only complaint about him. And if that's my only complaint, that's fine. You just gotta hold your breath, just making sure that it's nothing serious. <laughs> but no, but no, I get it. Champions League. That's the European football. Like, you know, we've, yeah. we've been talking about it for years about how other teams do it to Atlanta. Tables kind of turn when you get Yakamakas out there. I mean, he's drawn some fouls that probably weren't fouls, but that's part of the game. Like, that's the dark arts. And not to get off on another subject, I'll just throw this out there just as a little Salt Bay thing. Um, <laughs> the dark arts in this match against uh, Seattle were on point. It was so refreshing for them to catch mm -hmm. a lead and see them running at the corner flag and just wasting time like Kubo <laughs> told them. It was so fun to watch. I'm so happy. And I never thought I would say that. But it's it's Atlanta, and they haven't done it in so long. It's just fun. I'm, I'm glad it happened. So anyway, carry yes. on. Yes, Akamakis is great. You got a brace, awesome. Yep, second in the Golden Boot, tied with a hundred other players. I'm exaggerating, of course, but uh, he's tied with quite a few players um, for the second of the Golden Boot lead. Um, Luis Acosta, um, Denny Buanga, Christian Espinosa. Um, yeah, tied with. Yakumakis for the Golden Boot second place, second in the Golden Boot. But Yakumakis, that's 12 goals in 18 matches. So that's and, another qualifier to make. And no penalty. And that's right. Not, not a single penalty. Yeah, Interesting. that's true. I so, mean, in a thousand minutes, 1,063 minutes, he's got 12 goals. The next lowest uh, up here, also with 12 goals is Buongo with 1693. Like, that's just crazy. Like, Mukhtar's got, you know, almost 2,000 minutes with 13 goals. And three or four penalties. Yeah. 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 Imagine so. being healthy, what what could do for him, and now you're seeing, uh, unfortunately, and I think this happens all the time, now, you know, Tom Bogart tweets, you know, I think on Monday, oh, teams are interested in him. Get out of here. Stay away from our man. Yeah. yeah. Back up, Atlanta. Playa. <laughs> yeah, Atlanta were never selling him in the first place. I mean, interest. They can be interested all they want. Atlanta's not letting him go anywhere, like, after half a season. <laughs> um, right. Like, we talked about it on Spaces the other night, too. That was that was kind of a, a big point that got brought up. Like, everybody read that tweet, right? But the last line on the tweet was, he's happy in Atlanta. And it's not just like, oh, well, that's – like insider knowledge from his agent or whatever. Like if you, if you look at his stuff that he's been putting out, go back a week ago and look at the tweets that he, that Atlanta put out where it was like, ask Yakamakis anything, the AMA type thing. And he's, he's talking about, you know, how he enjoys it here. He's talking about his family, how they go to the battery all the time, stay away from one particular bar. I'll just throw that out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, like he, he seems to be enjoying it here. And then people forget as well. Like he, he had a competing offer, a probably better offer in general from Japan before he came here and publicly stated, well, his agent publicly stated that he wanted to go to MLS. He wanted to go to the United States. He wanted to bring his family here and he did. It's not going to just be a matter of, 
let me swipe a quick paycheck and get you back to Europe. I mean, obviously if the right club comes calling with the right amount of money, absolutely. Like you have to take that and nobody would be mad at him for doing it. But at the same time, like, you know, it's not going to be just a, a run of the mill everyday offer. That's going to pull him back across the Atlantic ocean. It's it's he's here and he's got a long contract here and he's happy here and his family is happy here. And having talked to Yakimakis in person, both at the training ground and at the, the bins after matches like he is a family guy the guy is very much about his family and what they think and what they care about and one that should excite you as a fan because the dude he's like if you remember joseph when he talked about how like this is his job to score goals and if he's not scored goals he's not happy he's not doing his job yakamak is very much has the same mentality yeah he said the same thing doing his and press he's got a family that he's doing it for so mm. he's not going to just dip out at the first offer that comes yeah, no, he said the same thing, like during his op- introductory press conference, you know, he's not happy if he's not scoring and it's that striker's mindset, it's that ruthlessness that you want from your number nine. And so far we're seeing it on uh, the health thing. Um, I'd like to think that that's just, you know, just him being on the pitch for so many weeks or so much time. I like to think that through three weeks off is super helpful and could get him close to his optimal ability but yes Saturday or Sunday I beg your pardon was excellent and I feel like as he and Almada just continue to build that chemistry and to that 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 second goal is terrific that's exactly what we want for Almada uh that connection between him and Yakamakis if that continues I mean look out I mean I'm not gonna say MLS Cup or anything like that that's silly but look out I think you know, this team can turn some heads and surprise a few people. Nah, we're going stretch. all the way. I don't know what you're talking uh, about. <laughs> MLS Cup. Um, Champions League. Champions, Champions Cup. Club World Cup. Here we come. Yeah, here we come. <laughs> here we come, baby. Well, who's Messi? Messi who? Messi who? Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things that is just underrated is, you know, in the midfield, too. So you've got Mayamba going in there winning balls back. Yakamakis is going back there, and he's physical. He's very physical. Oh, yeah. And he's pushing players off the ball to get it back, to pass it to one of our wingers, pass it to Mayumba. And that's what's, you know, something that really none of our other strikers have done before, right? Are able to win that ball back, you know, fight someone off of it. So that's that's exciting here. I mean, it's just everybody's able to fight to get that ball back. And I think that was so important, specifically in that Seattle game. Because... The game wasn't perfect, and I think that you know we had some people on the spaces just saying, you know, why you know they they could have easily scored two, two or three on us as well, for sure. We also missed some chances as well, right? So yeah, I mean it's going to happen here, and a couple of those chances were silly giveaways, some of the things we've been complaining about all season, but it looked better and it looked a little bit more fluent. And until really the fortieth minute, we weren't really giving up terrible scoring opportunities it was just the giveaways there for that you know if you just want to call it a brain fart there for a little bit right like it was because even when they came back in the second half you were like oh no they're just passing it backwards they're fine just winning this game one nothing here we go we're gonna allow a tying goal and then maybe around 15 minutes into the second half where they really were like okay it just clicked again they were able to start you know getting the ball back countering when Seattle was trying to attack and it was beautiful. Like that's 
that that's what you wanted. And, you know, Saba's coming in now where he will likely be the replacement of, he'll likely replace Mascara. Mascara was in the right places. Let's, let's say that like, yeah, he couldn't finish for anything and he really wasn't getting that close, but he was in those positions. Replace mm-hmm. that with someone that has a little bit more of a fine finish to him. You know, maybe you're going into that second half up two or three nothing as opposed to just one nothing at that time. So I'm excited to see exactly what Saba comes and brings in here because Pineda said that he's fit and that he could start. Well, it took him a little bit longer to get here. He said that last week, right? And he didn't end up, obviously end up making it. He's here now. I'm pretty sure he starts. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, you don't think he would? Um, I didn't say I didn't think he would. I just said we'll see. Well, see, we <laughs> can't live in peace. Yes. What do you yes. take? Do you think he's? Yes, think he'll he start. Yes, all right. He'll that's start. all I want. I, uh, <laughs> that's all I wanted. I, I just we need some maybe... positivity, Sydney. Come on. <laughs> yes, he'll start. Okay. No, no, just positivity. I just you know if, if it's the maybe no, just just take your hot take. Yes or no. <laughs> right. I, I think this is a big enough game here. You're playing at home as well. You're playing Nashville. It's a huge game. Why not get him involved immediately? And he's a wild card, exactly. right? Like nobody's been able to scout him except for what he's done in Turkey. Throw him in there and see what happens. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes that's the best game plan. Yeah, I'm for it. Cool. Right. Well, Tommy, would you like to introduce our guest? Sure. Well, this is a first-timer for us. I think we've mm-hmm. we've had a few repeaters, but it is with our pleasure to have Kendra de St. Aubin to the show of Scarves and Spikes. How's it going? Good. How are you guys? I appreciate you having me on. Sorry, I just got a few minutes late here. I was like, I got to jump onto this uh, super cool StreamYard platform, you know? I'm used to, like, the old <laughs> stuff after COVID, which is, like, the regular zoom or the team or this that and the other so had to make sure my uh, browser was up to date here to jump on yeah we weren't sure if you were watching messy are we are you watching the game Uh, do you have it on in the background it's funny funny that you say that because um you know i don't know what you know you all have going on like on a daily basis but i was trying to cram this like pool party in for my daughter for her classmates before school started again and then my yeah. former um, broadcast partner, Jen Hildreth, was just texting me. She's like, are you watching this Open Cup game? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm trying to, you know, I'm wrapping up the pool party thing. I'm jumping on this thing. So it's one of those things I have on the background, but I haven't, like, dialed in quite yet. You know, I'll, I'll call it the U.S. Open Cup game instead of just the messy game. But, um, yeah. man, how phenomenal has that been? You know, I don't know how you guys feel, but you got Tiago Amada in your spot. So, but I mean, right. it's kind of it's kind of been fun. I'm I'm here for the hype. I'm here for it. Like, why not if it elevates this league? So speaking of Elmada, I know um, Tommy, you had a question, but I'll throw this in real quick. I think this is what your third time calling an Atlanta United match for Mercedes Benz this year. I remember you and Kevin the last time you were here went pretty good for Atlanta United. So speaking of Elmada, so <laughs> I don't know, maybe we get that again. <laughs> yeah, I know it's funny because I feel like we've gotten we've had the pleasure of witnessing his set piece. Um, abilities firsthand. I mean, even back to the very first game of the season, I think it was against San Jose Earthquakes. And, you know, they came into your building and kind of felt like, "Uh oh, is this going to be an issue? And then, you know, Atlanta United didn't go quietly into the night and and found their way back and a couple miraculous set piece um, finishes, which it's one of those things like, what do you do about it? Well, first of all, you don't follow someone 
outside the box or anywhere between 25 and 30 yards out because he's capable of anything from any spot. But once he's standing over that ball, there's nothing you can do about it. I don't care what wall you set up. I don't care how many people you put in it. I don't care if you put a guy underneath the wall, a guy next to the wall, a guy behind the wall, and your goalkeeper in Brad Guzan is in the right, excuse me, not your goalkeeper, the opponent's goalkeeper is in the right spot at the right time because he's one of those masters that's just got it figured out. And it's been fun to watch him. And then even rewatching, you know, the Seattle game that you guys just had, like that's a long break and you just never know how a team is going to come out of it. Um, and we've seen team come teams come out of it both ways. You know, I did St. Louis over the weekend and the way they looked compared to how Austin looked both coming out of a similar break. It was, it was like two different teams out there. So um, I thought the fact that um, he can kind of drop in that pocket of space, find the pass. He's so good at reading the game and has that freedom to just drift, which is exactly what Gonzalo Pineda wants him to do. And uh, I, I just, you know, he's one of those players that's just such a joy to watch. You, yeah, you bring sure. up, well, you bring up, you know, how, how do we feel about Messi? And, and one of the most things interesting to me is I live in Cleveland, Ohio. There's no MLS team here. Soccer isn't very big around this area anyways. And I've had maybe before Messi came to MLS, maybe one person talk to me actually about MLS. And I've had at least 30 to 40 conversations with different people knowing that I, you know, talk soccer weekly about, all right, tell me like how, like compare Messi, how is he to a player in the United States? And the conversations that you just have, it's like, you know, you know, we might be selfish and say, okay, well, we hope that he doesn't play against us or we hope he doesn't score, but it's just brought up to everybody. And even to a city here where it's, you know, not very big, everybody wants to talk about it. So I think it's, it's good for the United States for sure. And it's good for the league and especially the first year of Apple. I'll tell you what I think too is because I, I can echo what you're saying. There's how many people have really tuned. It's kind of like the feeling, the, the energy you get from a, a world cup. There's all sorts of people that never watch soccer the whole year, but they are like dialed into the world cup. And I think that was kind of the same way with Messi arriving is there may be people that have never watched soccer before or found an interest, or maybe at least in MLS, Maybe they watch leagues overseas and now all of a sudden they're dialed into this league and they want to watch um, him and what he's going to do, which in turn hopefully would make them find interest in other teams, make them find interest in the rest of the league and not just follow Miami and Messi. It's kind of hopefully going to have a cumulative effect. I mean, there is no there is no bad thing about him joining. And I honestly I I feel like watching him and I said this to my husband this the other day and Kevin Egan and I were talking about it as well as. There's something about like the joy he's found in the game here. And, um, you know, I seriously wonder, is Ronaldo sitting over there in Saudi Arabia going, dang, I've got my, you know, billion dollars, but this doesn't feel the same. Like you have that joy and the love of the game and you get to share it with your family. Your kids are sitting on the sideline. There's just a different, you know, a different element of it that I think he's, um, it's been fun to watch him seem to enjoy that, you know, aspect of it too. And, um, I just think that this, yeah, there's nothing bad about him coming to this league. And I remember how many times did Thiago Amada get asked about playing with Messi in Argentina when he came back from the World Cup, maybe not knowing that he officially was going to be here and possibly on the other side of the ball at some point. So it's it's just another cool storyline. For sure. Uh, well, we reached out to our Discord to have uh, asked them if they had any questions for you. And Kevin came up with a good one here. Leaving Minnesota United and Messi out. Well, he called it Messi United uh, just because 
We think we talk a little bit too much about him. Uh, yeah. What team have you learned the most about since moving to the Apple broadcast team? Um, gosh, not just based on how many times I've covered them. Purely just like learning about it. It's funny because it feels like we kind of ebb and flow. I got Atlanta United a bunch of times at the beginning and then didn't have Atlanta United for a long time. And uh, I don't know what necessarily what the rhyme or reason is to how the schedule gets put together, but um, it'll be fun to be back there. I would say the teams I've learned the most about, honestly, are the Eastern Conference teams because being at Minnesota United and you're seeing the same Western Conference teams time and time again, you sort of develop this rhythm and you understand what they've done the last five or six years you know, because you followed it. So now the first half of MLS this year, I was totally thrown into more Eastern Conference teams, which I appreciated and enjoyed because it got, you know, it helped me see a side of the league that I didn't dive as deep into when you had those one-off Eastern Conference games. So Atlanta United, and, and specifically, I would say Gonzalo Pineda, I didn't really know him as a coach much. I just knew that of his time with Seattle, I knew sort of his history. I'd heard about his style, talking to Ozzy Alonso. Um, when he was with Minnesota United and the things that he liked about his time at Seattle and then moving over to Atlanta United. So for sure, Atlanta United is one of the teams that I've learned the most about. And Gonzalo is so good at our Apple broadcast calls, really diving deep into stuff and giving you insight onto the tactical thought process and why they do this and why they do that. And what are you asking of the different players in different moments? And why did you sign this guy and that guy? So I really enjoyed that. And the other team I've probably learned the most about because of that is Real Salt Lake. And Pablo Mastroeni is so in-depth and insightful in our conversations that we as broadcasters really appreciate that. When we don't get to be at training every single day and see exactly what's going on and why they're doing what they're doing and how they're working it, I appreciate learning and really getting to the nitty-gritty on those teams. And Pablo is one of those coaches as well. Yeah, I did some um, work for MLSsoccer.com, and I've had a couple calls with Pablo, and you know, just his candor, his straightforwardness is really refreshing in the world where you know the sound bites are kind of you know just boring and by the book and cliched. You know, Pablo, you know, is one of my favorite coaches in that regard. Just his way of saying things and you know, his approach to you know communicating with media. So you know, it's funny you brought that up. Um, so, you kind of already talked about Almada earlier. Um, I was going to ask you what stood out the most about Atlanta as you've kind of prepared for the match this Saturday, but then calling matches for Atlanta United, um, as you talked about earlier in the season. So, outside of Almada, um, outside of Yakamakis, who currently second in the Golden Boot, in like 18 matches, less than Buanga, less than Acosta, uh, players like that. Of course, Hanek's at the top. But yeah, outside of those two players, who's really stood out the most to you as kind of a neutral observer? Well, I think the, the two aspects that don't get overlooked per se with Atlanta United because it gets talked a lot almost in every pregame show or when you're going over the start of starting eleven. They get mentioned, but I don't think they really give their full credit into how they affect the game would be Caleb Wiley and Brooks Lennon. I think the value of the wingbacks in this league and nowadays, because I've always said, and when I used to do Minnesota United games and Cal Williams and I would do the games and we'd go, okay, what do we want to be at the focus of when we talk about the starting 11 coming up? How many times I wanted to focus on wingbacks and if the 
whoever was on the front foot more right from the get-go was going to win that battle because you're forcing the opposition's wing backs to stay home and not be a threat. If you can force them to defend and not attack and get out of their own, you know, defensive half of the field, you've won the first step in that battle. And I think Caleb Wiley and Brooks Lennon are very different players, but then again, so dynamic and how they can force the opposition to change the way they play. So I think for me, those two players, every game that I've done, Caleb Wiley, I think, didn't play one because he was away um, on international duty, I think it was. So he maybe didn't play one game. He was out. But otherwise, every from day one, and to see that player as young as he is and develop the way he has and change positions and kind of take on that outside back role, midfielder, however, you know, you want to term it on the day, um, because it also depended on where he was in the field, depending on what the personnel was and who was behind him. I would say when he has the ability to get forward and be more on the front foot and attacking as a winger and drop being back less, um, then I think he's going to be more effective. And then Brooks London on the other side is the same way. You know, and I know you guys had Gutman who kind of filled in and was more on that left-hand side as a back, but Caleb would sit right in front of him and how their chemistry developed. But to me, those are the two players that can really dictate the way Atlanta plays. The more active they're in those wide spaces, the more space it opens up in the middle for Thiago Amada to get on the ball. The more space it allows Yakamakis to just stay central and sit between the two center backs. I really think yeah. they influence it quite a bit. Yeah, and I think, you know, with your wing backs, you look at it as you know, how many assists are they generating, how many how's they're crossing it. That's certainly part of that. But I mean you bring up an excellent point, just allowing you know, other players that room, that space to do what they need to do. I think um, in Brooks' ca- Brooks' case, and Tyler can attest to it, you know, he has a chip on his shoulder, right? He wants to be in the national team discussion. You know, he's aware, you know, 2026 will be here before you know it, and he knows that he's been on the outside looking in, so he's really pushing, and he had a set-piece goal on Sunday against Seattle. And then Wiley, of course, like you talked about, was with – the U20s at the World Cup, and uh, I think had one goal or something like that, but he made his impact known, and maybe didn't have the best game on Sunday, but I think he's kind of crossing over that threshold of, okay, he's young, he's still growing into, okay, this is a legitimate player in MLS, and he's really asserting himself as a key part of this team. And, yeah, he didn't have the best game on Sunday, but, you know, he's really shown his quality at different parts of the season. So Well, I think he's just – he's still so young, and Gonzalo Pineda really trusts him and has confidence in him, and I think so do his teammates. And, you know, even Brooks in that game the other day, I mean, you saw him cut it, you know, be a little bit more central and tuck inside. And then, yeah. you know, what does that do for other players to be able to drift in the wide spaces? Like, he, you know, I think it's not just about a wingback getting forward and getting to the end line and serving anymore. It's just not that way. I mean, how many times we see them play – you know, inverted and they cut in on their stronger foot and they can get a shot off or they can get a cross off. So there's just so much, I think, dynamic play coming from the wide areas that for sure didn't happen when I was growing up. You know, I mean, we were yeah. like, straight, we were straight like four, four, two with a stopper and a sweeper. So, <laughs> you know, like if you were outside back, you didn't venture past the halfway line. Right. Like there was no attacking minded, uh, aspect of your game in any way shape or form so I, I love that aspect and even some of the forwards that have been converted you know to wide outside backs and and seeing how how dynamic they can be so I think that um, it's one of those things that what they do doesn't end up on the stat sheet all the time it's not just about the service and the cross it's like that 
the thing before the thing, the movement before the the pass, and how did that affect the game that you know people that watch the game all the time may see? But if you were just looking at the scoreline every day, you're like, oh, Yakamaki's got another goal, and you know, Almada got this assist, and but it's what happened to create the space to create the 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 play that happened in the movement off the ball. It's really funny you bring up Brooks and, and Caleb. You're talking about wingers, wingbacks. You'd be talking about when Gootman was here. Uh, Wiley got pushed up as as an actual winger, but now Atlanta's got some you know backups coming in. Going forward to this game against Nashville, which you know I'm sure we'll get to the discussion of rivalry or not or whatever. You've got Nashville has played five games in August. Atlanta played one. Fafa Pico and Taylor Washington are both suspended in MLS play for this one, which is, is going to, I think, change it a little bit, at, le- at least Fafa Pico, especially for Nashville. But what are your, your thoughts on, you know, Nashville having played so many more games, Atlanta having that bit of rest, and then coming off the, the Seattle match? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the biggest thing for me is, is Nashville going to have a bit of a hangover? I mean, you talk about a mental, emotional game. Um, not only was it the League's Cup final, not only were they hosting, it was messy and it was Miami. And the buildup around that match. And so it's not even just about minutes on the legs and games that they played, which I totally agree with you. We know having too much time off can be a negative. And then also, you know, this exhaustion of the season and the way that the commercial has gone. I mean, the commercial the season has gone. Um, Feels like it, it also, comes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got like 75, you know, something probably just popped up on my screen. It's like squirrel. Um, but anyways, it's I think it can be either side. It can be there's too many minutes and too many too much on your on your legs. And everybody's trying to navigate this season. And we already have Open Cup. We already have Leagues Cup. We already have MLS regular season and everything else. CCL, you, throw, you name it. Right. So to me, it's going to be more about the mental, emotional hangover for Nashville than even the physical aspect. They'll be physically tired because of what they went through. Thank goodness the League's Cup games all went straight to penalties because that would have really done everybody in if they had had to play any additional time. But even it could be physically exhausting when you've gone through something so emotional and mental that they did and then to lose the way they did and on home turf. So for me, I'll be curious. Are they going to come back hungry in Nashville and, you know, want to you know, bounce back because everybody's probably thinking they're not going to um, after that? Or, or do they have a huge hangover and a letdown? But let's not forget, Nashville coming into League's Cup was not great. They were not in great form. And all of a sudden, this League's Cup had propelled them to this. So now they just gained an insane amount of confidence. They've clearly gotten some new players as well, which helps out. Hani Mukhtar is his, you know, Mukhtar is his MVP self. Walker Zimmerman isn't committing any penalties as of late. You know, so I think that um, this Nashville team could go either way, but Atlanta has to feel really good about winning at Seattle. It doesn't even matter how they did it. It doesn't matter if it was their best soccer. I think it was an improvement, um, and there were some really positive things from that game. But to go on the road across the country after a long layoff and get a 2 nothing win at Seattle, I think they're going to feel really good about hosting Nashville at home, especially with what Nashville just came off of. I think I think it should be a great matchup. Whether yeah. who's available, I mean, what's Schaffelberg's deal? I mean, who knows, right? Yeah. I mean, with Fafa suspended and Schaffelberg had come, had, was injured and came on late in that game. So who knows um, what their outside, you know, spaces are going to look like, but you still have Mukhtar in the middle. Yeah. And, and it's funny you bring up the hangover because that's, that's something that we've discussed a little bit. You know, either they're going to be really pissed off or they're going to be hung over. And I'm just, I go back to the picture of Dax McCarty with the Heineken on his kitchen bar, you know, holding the messy jersey. And I'm like, I yes. just hope you're, extremely hungover for this match. (laughs) 
yeah, like not everything was bad about the game holding yeah. up the Messi, you know, the side to Messi jersey, which I thought it was actually, I mean, only like a player like Dax McCarty, he's been around as long as he has and done what he did, could do that without just getting ripped to shreds. Yeah. You know, having the opponent's jersey, I don't even care if it's messy, but after you've lost the way you lost and, and you put your heart and your soul into that thing. And it was, that was a great game to watch, but I think this one um, on the weekend is going to be just as good. And we talk about down the stretch, what this league is going to look like down the rest of 2023. What is there? 10 games left, nine games left for some teams, depending. I mean, it is like real crunch time for these teams. You come out of leagues cup and it's like, there is no time to rest or rest on your laurels or not think that you have to have the pedal to the metal out, out the end here, because if you're fighting for a playoff spot and you want to host a playoff, game especially then you've got you cannot you cannot allow a bounce back game you cannot a hangover game you cannot even allow like for atlanta to have this layoff affect you and clearly against seattle they didn't kendra how does sam surge kind of change the equation for nashville i think the biggest thing with him is just his ability to compliment honey mukhtar no one wants to take the place of what he does you have to find a way to play with and alongside him i didn't think that the game against Miami was the best example. And I know he's only played a handful of games and it's been uh, mostly in the League's Cup with Hani Mukhtar. But I think that anytime you have an MVP caliber player like Hani Mukhtar, who can do both, he can score goals and he can assist. He's not a one trick pony. If you're Sam Surridge, when you come into this, you want to make Hani better, you want to make the team better. And you know, in turn, that will make you look extremely good because Hani will find you with the pass. Hani will finish the chance that you give to him and vice versa. And I think so far he's proven that. Now it's early days. I mean, what does Hani have like, what is it, like a goal and four or five assists or something like that, you know, since they've played together, you know, some ridiculous numbers. So clearly there is something there. And that doesn't always click when you bring in a new number nine, no matter who they are. But I think that this is a player that has a lot of dimension to his game. And he can find a way to compliment Honey Mukhtar without taking it away, whether it's stretching the field, whether it's occupying the center backs, whether it's dropping back in, helping pressure and defend to win the ball in dangerous areas. I think we've seen him do a little bit of that work defensively um, to help kind of start that. Or when you lose the ball, you're already in a position to defend. I mean, I feel like we hear coaches talk about that a lot lately in, in this game, which I don't know that that was a thing before. But what is it called, like defensive offense or something, where when you lose the ball, you're already in a tremendous position to defend. You're not out of position where you just get ripped to shreds. And I think Surge kind of helps that because he's already in a position and he's good at pressuring and he's willing to do the work. So it makes Hani's life a little bit easier as well. And he can almost push up as a secondary striker then. You know, we've seen that with Nashville where they more or less Hani as another striker, not as a 10, depending on the two holding mids are. Uh, behind him if it's if it's McCarty and Godoy you know what kind of midfield you're going to have and that will allow Mukhtar to push higher up and work alongside and with Surridge rather than him being even tucked underneath sometimes you know one thing looking at the Nashville schedule going back a minute next Wednesday they have a rematch against Miami the schedule gods have given us a, a unique situation <laughs> here right like they got we're the sandwich in between Might have lost Tommy there, but uh, <laughs> oh, we've yeah. in the middle of such a uh, I know, but um, yeah, I mean that's Look at really interesting. Face, yeah, <laughs> that's one of the better ones. I mean, we've seen some, you know, shots happen that aren't so, you know, kind. Am I back? Okay, no. yeah. yeah, you're back. You're back. Yeah, you're back. 
we have bad storms here in Ohio today, so that, I'll blame uh. that. But we're in the sandwich. Uh, I don't know if I got to say my funny line here or not, but like, you know, Atlanta is the meat of this sandwich, right? Like, we're they come back, they they have to play Atlanta, which is such a huge game because they're two teams with forty points. So it's important, but they've also got to be thinking, man, I we got to beat Miami next Wednesday, right? Like Lisa, that's what I would be thinking if 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 I was there, like because they're because this is this gonna haunt you. I'm I'm sure it's haunting them that they were so close to winning, and now you got to go chance to go play them again in, in in a week. You know what the biggest thing with that is though is I hope they're not already looking ahead to that. If you're Nashville, because right. that's easy to do too, is to bypass what's on the ray because all you're thinking is about that rematch, and you got to think. You know, if, you know, if you have Atlanta in between, you guys may end up on the good side of that because of that. They're already thinking, when do we see them next? Or everyone's asking them about it. A lot of times the players won't admit they're thinking about it. But we as media members, that's all we're asking about, right? I mean, so we're the ones kind of constantly implanting it and throwing it in their faces. So I guarantee, probably even when that game ended, someone had already looked at the schedule. And maybe in the post-game press conference, they were already like, well, you know, you got them in a week and a half or whatever it is. So I think it could be an interesting dynamic if Nashville is already thinking about that game before they even head to Atlanta. It's like such a um, it's such a weird vibe right now, I think, in the league because everybody's getting back to regular season play. And you have teams like this that are coming off either the League's Cup if they, if they went far or maybe they had a bye because their opposition was far in the League's Cup. You know, we saw that happen a little bit. And then mentally how these teams are going to come back from that, whether you were far into the League's Cup or you had the long break. It's really a crapshoot on what we're going to get every weekend and who's going to be healthy and who's going to be mentally ready to go. So could we ask you a favor? Sure. Can you can you not talk about the Atlanta game and just constantly ask <laughs> them about... Miami next week. Oh yeah, I'm sure that would go over. You know, as a friend, as a friend of the podcast, now we'll get the the standard lines. Oh, it's one game at a time. Yeah, right. Think about the next one. We're only looking at. You know how that is. Like that's what we go back to. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Like there, there's no way. Even if they're thinking about it, we're not going to get the a good answer on that one. Uh, last question for me. Has Kevin tried to help you out with uh, possibly learning some wrestling commentary? Absolutely not. It's so funny. It's so funny because every city we go to as well, that's all people want to talk about. It's so funny. I mean, that you know, it's just I had no idea that wrestling was this popular and that this many people follow it in every walk of life. I mean, everybody like pretends they want to, they come up to him and like want to talk to him about something else. And they're like, Hey, what about that move last night or whatever? I don't even know what the right terminology is. So, um, I always give him a hard time about it, but he's like, you know, he goes by Kevin Patrick or whatever. He yeah. Does yeah. World, and then Kevin Egan, but everybody wants to talk to him about it. And it's kind of funny to see that side of things. And, uh, but no, I'm not, uh, I'll let him, uh, I'll let him throw down somebody else. And I don't even know if that's the right term, but. It's been it's been fun to see him really excel and grow, and his energy is um, contagious mm. in the booth, whether he's at the wrestling arena or whether he's. Yeah. In the booth. I was. Um, his, his, I'll say sorry. real quick. I was going to say that yeah. the schedule has to be pretty crazy for him because I think he works on Fridays now, and then he yeah. immediately has to fly to the MLS city. Yeah, well, you know, and it was a little bit. Um, it was crazy as well when he was doing Mondays, and now he got switched to Fridays. But it's just crazy in a different way, you know. Because before, especially once we started doing Wednesday MLS games, 
Um, you know, he would have he would have a Saturday night MLS game and fly to wherever he was going on a Sunday and then do Monday and then he would fly home on a Tuesday and then you're out for a Wednesday. Um, and then in between there, you know, you're trying to do coaches calls and catch up on all the teams. And so I don't know if Friday is better or worse for him. But um, either way, I know he's like navigating it and just bringing the energy. And he brought, you know, he did the all the hosting stuff for the League's Cup final and then drove from Nashville to St. Louis for yeah. our game. And uh, I think he was like running on fumes, but you wouldn't know it, you know, when he does a broadcast. So it's I, I can appreciate that because we've all been there at some point where you're just on the grind and. Um, just, you know, trying to do one thing at a time and put one foot in front of the other and you find a way. And I think when you have a broadcast partner like him that just, you know, is going to bring it, it makes your job a whole heck of a lot easier. That's for sure. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have him back soon. I know you're doing the match with Chris Weddingham on, on Saturday, but hopefully we'll have Kevin back soon in the building. Because he's too good uh, <laughs> to stop hosting. You know, that's the problem. He's too good in studio and and those guys like him over there. Back to that energy, though. And you just keep yeah. killing it. And so they keep stealing him to go to the hosting stuff. So what do you right. do? I'm, I'm looking forward to working with Chris, though. He's great. Yeah. yeah. we got to give him a hard time because the last match he was there, Cruz Soul, Atlanta lost. So we got to give him a little magic oh, there. No. So we um, had Kevin, who was the good luck charm for you guys, and now I'm not so good luck charm. Right. I don't know what happened <laughs> that day. It was, just, it, was, it was a rough stretch for Atlanta. Um I know you have you're busy. You got a lot going on. So, final quick two things. This can be. I don't even care if it's a one word answer. Uh, one because this has been a topic of debate is Atlanta Nashville the Derby for the Southeast. In your opinion, or is it Atlanta Charlotte, Charlotte Nashville, Atlanta Orlando? Wow. I know it's a, it's a, it's a loaded one. Well, it's not that it's loaded. It's just, you know, I guess it's to me, it's not even so much about the competition and like what th gets thrown on the field and how good the game is as much as it is the atmosphere. And I think that not that Atlanta doesn't, you know, bring what, 50, 70,000 every game and, and some of those other stadiums, even Charlotte can seat that many because it's in a football stadium. And I think it's more about the energy of the fan bases that are involved because the the fans are the ones that are going to drive that rivalry. It has to be organic. It can't be regional. It can't be locational. It can't be like, well, these two cities are close together, so they're rivals. Like, that can't be how it is. It has to be history of games and results and how those games played out. It doesn't even have to be wins and losses. It could be chippiness. It could be fouls. It could be just energy. And then on top of it, the fan bases and the supporters groups and the energy they bring to the game. So it wouldn't shock me if Nashville and Atlanta were there because they're both newer teams in the league and they're both consistently vying for the top spot. I know Atlanta has hit a rough patch here and there. Nashville's gone back and forth between East and West. They can't sort it out. <laughs> um, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to be about the energy that the fan bases bring to the game and the energy that's just in it. There's something palpable and you'll know when the rivalry and the big, you know, what it's made up of. It can't just be locational. It has to be something yeah. that's like in, in it. And it doesn't even have to be close together. We've seen that with other teams that are nowhere near each other. And they maybe only play each other once a year. Or maybe they're not even in the same conference. But there's a palpable energy in the game every time those two teams step on the field. And then also with the fan bases. So it wouldn't shock me if Nashville Atlanta is that or becomes that as we continue on. If they stay in the Eastern Conference. I mean, who knows? Yeah. They're just like the wild card. They flip back and forth. Exactly. <laughs> all the time. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because Atlanta was for, uh, for us, honestly, I think it was the Red Bulls for a while. Sure. Atlanta and the Red Bulls hated each other, and yeah. then uh, you know they tried to push Orlando, but that was never. I mean, Atlanta won most of those back in the day. Yeah. 
Yeah. Charlotte's it's too new. And yeah. then, but Nashville, the fans don't like each other. Yeah. And if you, if you go back, that was the match where Joseph tore his ACL. And that was Uh-oh. really like the, the line where people draw and they look at it and they think that's when everything changed for Atlanta United. So yeah, there's a little bit of hate there. For sure. I can see that. And that's what those things are built off of. Yeah. Yep. So, all right. Last thing. Where do you, where do you go eat in Atlanta? What's your favorite place? Oh gosh. You're, you're, <laughs> well, first of all, I need some, probably some suggestions because I'm very, pretty limited in my time in every city. And so um, I'm kind of a like last one in first one out and spent a lot of time in my room doing work. And so if I like walk down the street and find coffee, that sort of like, you know, gets me through the day. So if, there, if there's a suggestion, I'm, I'm open to it because I've not, I've not done well on the food front in Atlanta. If, if you, I don't know how much time you have here, but <laughs> I the don't red have a phone lot, booth. but I'll be there multiple times. So you never know. Well, okay. Well then keep the red phone booth in mind. Okay. <laughs> red phone booth is, is, is cool. What kind of food oh. is that? It's so it's like, a, it's like a speakeasy. It's actually really cool. Oh, okay. So like it's, it's built like to get into it, you have to either have a code or know somebody to get in. Oh, no um, way. All <laughs> Devin Kerr, one of your wow. you know, broadcast partners. Okay. So, but you go down, it's, it's technically within walking distance of the bins, um, okay. maybe 20 minutes at the most, but yeah, you go, you go into a phone booth and dial in your little number and then they open up and you, you walk in. It's pretty cool. Oh Lord. Well, what if I dial in and they're like, nope, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be the first one that it's happened to. That gets I rejected. From experience. Oh, that's oh. good to know. And you know what? My former broadcaster, Jen, um, she's from mm-hmm. Atlanta. So I've often hit her up. She, one time when I came, actually it was the US Open Cup final when I was with Minnesota United and she met mm-hmm. me for lunch. I don't remember where she took me, but it was fabulous. So I need someone like that. You know, I, I, I you know, connect with her and she like t- points me in the right direction. So let me ask you this real quick. Um, if we're ever in the Twin Cities, what's a oh. good place to eat? <laughs> Young Jonies. Okay. I, I mean, I, and I, it's so funny because I've never actually eaten there, but everybody says the same thing, like this amazing vibe, good food, like next to none. So if you're looking for like a place that's local, it's, it's in Minneapolis is where it is, because that's the weird thing too, is, you know, like Allianz is in St. Paul, both cities have great food. Minneapolis is known for it, especially in the summer with the patios and everything. But I've heard Young Joni's, and it's phenomenal. And I recommended it to someone else who came to town. Who was it? I did a game with um, Neil Sika. It was one yeah. of the, another game that Kevin bailed on me. And I did a game <laughs> with Neil Sika, and he said he went, and it was phenomenal. So Young Joni's, I think it's J-O-N-I. Um, and I've heard nothing but amazing things about everything. The vibe, nice. the food, all of the above. And Cal Williams, who is like lived in Minneapolis, he knows all the spots. Yeah. That's, you know, he's, he's been there as well. He always went to Brits too. You can't go wrong with Brits pub. I mean, it's a soccer <laughs> pub. Guys are great. Um, that's a lot of good soccer watching there as well. Nice. Well, now I'm hungry. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Kendra, thank you for coming on today. We, we truly appreciate it. Um, you're now part of the Scarves and Spikes family. Nice. Hope to have you back soon. Awesome. <laughs> I appreciate you guys taking the time to have me on. I always look forward to it and uh, look forward to coming back to Atlanta this weekend. And we'll see. We'll see where the predictions lie on, on what team shows up for Nashville and if, if Atlanta keeps it going off of that win at Seattle. Yeah, yep. definitely. We'll see you. At least me and Sydney will be there. So maybe we'll okay. see you up in, the, up in the press box. I'll be, at I'll the be listening to you on TV. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yes, I don't miss the ice cream. I do not ever forget about the ice cream sundae. Yes. Area there. It is quite famous in the, yes. the media circles, for sure. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank thanks, you. Kendra. Take night. care. Bye. Thanks. Can you guys sneak me ice cream? Like, when I come in, like, is can you, like, put, like, your hoodie over it, Tyler, like, and just, like, bring me down some ice cream just so I yeah. can I, have You know, this. if you just walk to, like, right below the section, I can just drop it to you now. No glass there, <laughs> Let's make I sure your aim's good. Anyway. I played hockey because I, 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 I couldn't catch, okay? Like, that's why I'm not, I'm not good at throwing. Or... You know, like, hold your shirt out and, like, use it like a glove. Yeah. <laughs> Especially oh, you have a, good aim. Thunderstorms got you, buddy. Yeah. Got you ah. uh, you're back. Tommy's kind of in and out. Yeah. Unfortunately, but yeah, we got him back. All right. Um, so we talked about Nashville and how we feel. Um, and, you know, the qualifier is, we already talked about, Nashville has played one fewer match than Atlanta, of course, due to League's Cup. Um, on 38 points tied with Atlanta, that being said, they have the tiebreaker on wins, 11 to Atlanta's 10. So this is a real six-pointer for Atlanta United because you want to make up that ground. And if you win, you're in third place, possibly, if things, if a lot of things fall your way. But with the qualifier, I'm just looking at the standings right now, Sissy essentially out of sight with 51 points, although they got shelled at the crew uh, New England 43 they played 23 matches Philly 40 points 23 matches in third Orlando 24 matches you know 40 points as well but Philly has more wins Columbus 39 fifth and then Nashville Atlanta United um, who have played you know 25 matches or 24 and 25 matches respectively so that's important qualifier that match in the hand that Nashville does have and, you know, we were thinking about the max, the fixture congestion, probably not as heavy um, since they've been off for a while. They haven't played since the League Cup final. So it's going to be their full squad. Hanny, Sam Surridge, um, Dax, um, Walker Zimmerman, his homecoming back to Atlanta. Um, and I think of what Walker Zimmerman said after – the match a couple of years ago where um, Dom Dwyer scored super late for a draw. It, it was like delayed for like two or three hours. Yeah, that was that one where we were up until yeah. like freaking three o'clock yeah. in the morning. <laughs> three o'clock Eastern time. Yeah. No, but um, yeah, I think it always says like every time these teams meet, it's like something weird happens. Um, and I think that's part of the rivalry aspect that Kendra, what we were talking about, you know, even though they're geographically close to each other, um, yes, but you know, there's always seems to be that certain amount of intrigue between these two sides, and I think too we talked about it as well. Henny Mukhtar and Yakimakis are one and two right now in the Golden Boot race. Granted, again, Yakimakis has played in fewer matches than um, Henny Mukhtar, so. That's something else to take a look at. Uh, they're standing. They're placed in the standing. That's something else to take a look at. So there's so many storylines. Of course, Atlanta lost the reverse fixture at the end of April 3-1. So the revenge factor will be in play. 
It's going to be a full stadium, 60 plus thousand, pushing 70. That's going to be in play. They're going to bring their supporters pretty by the numbers. And Tyler, they'll be right below us in the yes, other supporter section. Um, I don't think they're going to be blowing off like smoke clouds or anything like that, like Cruz Azul fans did. But there's so many storylines, so much narrative surrounding this match. And, you know, there's going to be other matches going on on, you know, Saturday, of course. Um, and in fact, I'll name out a few. Um, Red Bulls Miami, of course, Messi. Um, Cincy, how they respond. Um, DC, Philly, kind of a regional rivalry in and of itself. Dallas, Austin, that Tejas Derby. Um, but, gosh, Atlanta Nashville is not going to be lacking for storylines in and of itself. Really intriguing match. I'm feeling Atlanta. I'm feeling Atlanta hard. I, I put in uh, our Discord, I bet on Atlanta winning by two goals. Mm. That's how confident I am in this game. It's not just because of what we saw on Sunday. You know, part of you know the question Tyler asked about just how much Nashville has played. Them playing Miami. Like, I think all this equates into an interesting situation here. And Atlanta's flying high right now on this on this win they need a huge run here i, I think that this because i don't know if seattle was a statement game right like I, I think it was big because you go on the road and like any road especially like like in the nfl which is the same thing because you're basically traveling there for maybe a day and a half two days and you're right back out when you travel across the country in, in a lot of sports the records are usually pretty bad towards the home team so or I'm sorry, the away team. So that's that was really important. But this game right here, you're tied in points. It's you know Tyler's rival uh, here that Atlanta is playing. I think this is going to be a statement game for Atlanta United, and they win and, and just show that they're ready to move on because they've got big games. I mean, they, they've we, we've talked about it at length while we were off. The schedule is very hard. You have to win at home. You have to, you know, you have to win all your home games here. This is uh, the next game, I think, against Cincinnati is also at home. So you, you've mm-hmm. got this this two-game um, homestand. You, you've got to win this one. And I, yeah. I think that they're going to win this okay. And, I, you know, I understand they've been off a week as well. But they've got to be, like, on tired legs. Like, this is a lot that they've been playing. So that that's really what I'm I've been pretty much writing on all week is but it's, it's not just, we're fresh. Yeah, it's not even just that they're on tired legs, but this the the final match and Kendra kind of hit on it, but there's a lot of emotion going into a game like that. It's not just a regular game that you played. You played a final, a cup final against the best player in the world. There's a lot. Like I don't know if you guys have ever been in a situation where your adrenaline's just pumping so hard and you you didn't even do anything super physical, but you get done and you just feel spent. Well, they did that, except they did do something very physical for 90 plus minutes. And now they're, I mean, yes, they get some rest, but they're having to travel away to one of the hardest places to play. I mean, yes, I understand the record isn't as good as it was, but it's still not easy to come to the bins, especially when they open up that third deck. 
that's going to be a big deal. And I'm really curious to see what Nashville's fans do, because yes, we do have like a front row seat to them. Unfortunately, um, I'm hoping that they break the streak Atlanta does of the past, like three really good away supporter sections that show up because Orlando showed up and Orlando won. Charlotte showed up and Charlotte won mm. and Cruz Azul showed up and Cruz Azul won. So, but this is the one where it, it matters the most because you're tied on points with Nashville as it stands. You have a chance to take, if you want to call it a rivalry, whatever they want at home, you've got to win at home. Now um, you you can take the advantage. You can, jump up three points on top of them. Like you said, Sydney, you may be up close to third place by the, by the time the weekend's over with. So it's an important match. It's important for the fans to show up. It's important for the players to show up. It's important for the new players to show up and see what it's about in a bins that is fully opened up. I mean, this is Saba's first time ever in the bins. This is Muyumba's first time playing in an MLS match in the bins against, you know, a regional rival. Yeah. Um, there's lots, you know, I mean, Shonda, his first time in the Miz. There's so much going on here. Yeah. And it's going to be really interesting to see how they react to a packed out Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, you know, if you beat Nashville, I mean, you have Cincinnati coming in. Cincinnati aren't invincible, as we saw when they got shelled by Columbus. So, really need this match. Really need this match. And I don't know if we want to transition to um, – predictions at this current point in time but there'll be goals in it i mean honey and yako are toward the top of the golden boot race and we talk, already talked about it numerous times so there's definitely going to be goals in it i think and i think as much as the win against seattle has the potential to give atlanta united a lot of momentum i think there's a chance that a possibility that you get too high and you come out flat. And I don't think they do that. I think they know what's at stake. I think they know that they have not a razor-thin margin for error, but they have to accumulate as many points at home as possible. And a good way to do that is against a regional rival in the Derby. So I'm going to say, you know, I was leaning toward 2-2, but I'm going to say 3-2. I'm going to say 3-2. I think Yakamakis gets... Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I think Yakimakis gets a brace for Atlanta United. I think, um, I think Almada scores, uh, to kind of, yeah, get back on the score sheet. He has assists, but you know, get a goal back on his tally. I think you see Hanny score for Nashville. I think perhaps Surge scores for Nashville. So. I think the key players, your superstars, are going to be very key in this match. I think they'll rise to the occasion. But, yeah, for me, 3-2 Atlanta. There's going to be goals in this, guys, I think. Uh, not necessarily a lot of defense, but <laughs> those are kind of the fun ones, right? So, 3-2 Atlanta. Watch it be like nil-nil. <laughs> no. But, uh, yeah, what do you guys think? You want me to go, Tyler? Yeah, you you said you you got them by two. How how three much? One. By two? Three one. Three okay. one. Anybody? I mean, I think. Way? No, I I don't have any specifics here. Be nice to see Saba score here. I want to see how how the attack is set up here. I still think Saba starts, 
So you have uh, so many new weapons for Almada, right? Things opened up for for Almada because of some of these new players that have already been put into the lineup, right? Well, now you've got an, another one coming in, right? So how does that change everything here? Um, can this can maybe Mascara puts it away, right? He scores his first one on the counter, like I've been talking about, because he's dangerous. He is, but again, like we, we've talked about it. He's just, I think he's just better for a, late in the game when a team's pressing really hard and you just are able to send him and have him fly through and be able to finish off for a goal. So, yeah, you know what? I, I usually don't protect uh, goal scorers, but I'll say Mascara makes it three, finishes him off. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with 2 1 Atlanta. Saba Lobjanidze scores on his Atlanta United debut. Mm hmm. And the assist is going to come from Almada. Mm. That's feasible. Yeah. And then I'll give the other goal to Yakamakis to tie Mukhtar for the golden boot because Mukhtar will not score in this match. That goal is probably going to come from Surge, I think. Like you said. 2-1. Yeah. I'm going with it. Yeah. So, yes. Sounds like we're feeling good about Nashville. It's amazing what one game can do for you, right? Because yeah. I... Now, if this was the first game coming back from the break, yeah, with that, with all the same situation, just the only thing that we're ignoring is is that we didn't play Seattle. We knew that Nashville was coming here. It was they just lost the Cup final. How do you feel about this game then? Because yeah. I would have probably said, you know, I, I probably would have said a draw at that point. Yeah, I don't think I would have. Yeah, ending a win. That's the thing. You still have the wild cards, no matter what, of the new players. So it's so hard to predict. But it does seem like the players that they're bringing in are fitting the way that they're supposed to and the way the analytics said they were supposed to. So, you know, if, if Edwin Mosquera was a stopgap for Saba, and Saba should, in theory, be an upgrade over Edwin, then I think it's right to look at what they did to Seattle and think you can do it to Nashville. Now, Nashville is stingy defensively. They always have been. But Atlanta is one of the best offensive teams in the league, period. So, but to go back to your original question, I mean, yeah, I think if we were just coming off the break, I would be very hesitant to say anything about Atlanta coming away with a result, even though it's at home. Because they have lost, like I said a minute ago, Orlando, um, Charlotte, Cruz Azul. Like, they've lost some very important home games against Guys, or you know, teams that you shouldn't have lost against. So it's tough, yeah. but at least you got you got some motivation and some, you know, something to go on from last weekend. Yeah, they're winning us Saturday. I like it. Wow, like they're winning us Saturday. I like it. Who is this? Who is this guy? <laughs> um, wait, didn't you say a draw? I said I was leaning toward a draw, but I changed oh, okay. my mind. <laughs> okay, that's right. Yeah, they're winning. Well, what else cool. have we got planned for this week? We've got, I think we're going to be recording another Patreon episode, possibly. Tentatively. Maybe. So okay. be on the lookout for that, possibly. So working out a few things. But um, yeah, potentially a uh, pre-match show at, what time is the match? Seven something? Yeah. yeah make seven maybe around six or so. Um, that makes it at 7.30. Yeah, 7.30. So probably around 6.30 will be on YouTube. And yeah. Go to our website, scarfsandspikes.com. 
Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash scarves and spikes, the whole nine yards. Follow us on Twitter. And you can watch shenanigans happen on Friday on Atlanta United's YouTube channel. <laughs> and maybe match. Sydney will will record some some video of the Tyler Pilgrim cam, I guess. I don't know if that's a thing that's happening. We Apparently. shall see. And then that you is... can watch me get destroyed probably on <laughs> a soccer <laughs> I can't wait till James uh from from Twitter posts, you know, all your touches, just like yep. he did with me. <laughs> That'll be great. I'm here for that, it. I've that, hit the big time. If that happens, I've hit the big time. James Do you get a, a jersey to like keep? I assume so. I hope so. That'd be freaking sweet if I did. We'll see. I don't know. We'll let you on the we'll let you all know. Tyler's playing. I'm not. I'll be there though, but um we'll let you all know the swag and stuff like that, if there is any. Oh, real quick. Just yes. just random story. So yesterday I'm at a concert. I'm going to see The Offspring and had a few drinks in me. And I'm, I, I like looking at the crowd. I'm a people person. I just look at the crowd. I'm a people watcher. I see a guy with an Atlanta United shirt on and I start running up to him. And my wife's chasing me going, oh, no, what is this idiot going to say to this <laughs> random person? Because I could talk to anybody anywhere. And as I get closer, I'm noticing it's the Atlanta United logo. But around it is words that is not Atlanta United. Uh, it was the antagonizers ATL didn't know what it was. And randomly, I think this is a story I can't confirm, but apparently one of the lead singers of this band is from where I live currently in Brunswick, Ohio, cool. that moved to Atlanta and started this punk band that kind of sounds like dropkick Murphy's a little bit. And now I'm trying to get him on the podcast. I'm going to attempt it. He's playing like a show in, like, in, in next month. Um, in Atlanta, so yeah. I'm gonna try and uh, reach out to him and and stay see tuned for details. But yeah, just just random random guy and so are they like Cleveland, Irish Ohio. rock? No, it, it's not Irish, but it's just kind of the the same like music style without the Irish singer. Yeah, okay, it was a good listen. I listened to I listened to a few songs today, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go I've listen. To them. I'm I'm curious. Yeah. Go listen, check them out, see, report back. Let us know how it is. Yeah, it was just something random. And maybe we'll get them on. That'd be awesome. Well, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us. We do appreciate it. And thank you to our guest, Kendra, for coming on. Good times. Yeah. It's always nice to have someone new. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it. So we will see you guys probably on Saturday for a pre-show. And then we'll be back for player ratings where Saba will get a 10. A 10 out of 10 for that inaugural for that goal. goal. You call on it now? Mascara's going to get a 10 oh, eventually. He is. At a sushi dinner. Courtesy yeah, all he's got to do is just play 10 minutes and score a goal. And then he's getting a 10. <laughs> That's all he's got to do. It's going to happen by, by the end of the season. I promise. We'll see. Maybe. Certainly. Game winner in Oh, now we're getting aggressive. Hit the music. <laughs> we the music. Hit the credits. Let's, let's, let's see who's go. supporting us. You're getting to be after dark, guys. Dusk is hit. <laughs> I just want to sleep, man. I haven't slept since Saturday. I haven't slept in like six months. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Sydney gets all the sleep for us. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Solid seven hours at night. Six, seven hours a night. Must be for nice. you guys. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. See you. See you.